boom. King David has died. The king is dead. His son Solomon, through a little family politics mixed with some bloodshed, has become king. Long live the king. A reading from 1 Kings, the second chapter, verses 10 through 12, and then skipping over to chapter 3, verses 3 through 14. Hear the word of God. Then David slept with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. The time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, only he sacrificed and offered incense at the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the principal high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness and righteousness and in uprightness of heart toward you, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on the throne today. And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, although I am only a little child. I do not know how to go or come in, and your servant is in the midst of the people whom you have chosen, a great people, so numerous they cannot be numbered or counted. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil, for Who can govern this, your great people? It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, Because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself long life or riches or for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right, I now do according to your word. Indeed, I give you a wise and discerning mind. No one like you has been before you, and no one like you shall rise after you. I give you also what you have not asked, both riches and honor all your life. No other king shall compare with you if you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked. Then I will lengthen your life. This is the word of the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David. The statutes, that is to say the law, that is to say the measure, the motion of King David, his father. Solomon's mother was Bathsheba. You may remember the story of David and Bathsheba. It is full of lust and deception and murder and cover-up and sin. (laughs) Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father, David. Those are some statutes. (laughs) All that lust. All that murder. You think the writer forgot about all that? 
Or maybe David loved the Lord and loved the mercy of the Lord. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. And God did. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father David only, only, but he offered sacrifices at the high places. That is to say, he loved the Lord, but he was seeing someone else on the side, worshiping other gods. We do that. We love the Lord, but the world is full of gods that demand our attention. Love the Lord, but we worship the golf game. Love the Lord, but we worship the next thing on our agenda, building the house, moving up the ladder, getting into the club. Love the Lord, but our online time is way up this year. Love the Lord, but we worship the news media. It's not that we don't love the Lord. We just offer our sacrifices at other locations. And life can be that you don't offer a moment of thanksgiving to the Lord. Life can have that, well, it doesn't have that moment where we stop and give of ourselves. Pick up a cross. No time to be with God. But if someone asks, do you love the Lord? Oh, yeah, I love the Lord. Of course, Solomon loved the Lord only, but he offered sacrifices at the high places. Maybe he did it for political reasons. You don't have to travel too far out of Jerusalem before people start calling Jerusalem the swamp. It's all about the big city. Nobody cares about the little people out here. Solomon loved the Lord, but maybe he had to offer sacrifices outside there just to get people on his side. You know, political. People go to Iowa to do that kind of thing. And we know it too. We love the Lord, but sometimes we just have to immerse ourselves in the worship of other gods just to be liked. Offer up a little gossip just to keep our friends. Laugh at a joke that hurts another just to stay in the crowd. Sometimes you have to deny Jesus so that you can be a supporter of all the anger and the meanness in this world. Solomon loved the Lord. Only, but he offered sacrifices, offered incense at the high places, a thousand burnt offerings on an altar. A thousand. That's a lot. That's excessive. That says something. What does it say? I don't know. It could be that the king offered a thousand burnt offerings to the gods because he wanted to get the attention of something that was bigger than he is. 
He loved the Lord. Whatever he wanted from the Lord, maybe the Lord wasn't delivering. And when the Lord doesn't deliver, you move on to other gods. I think of that woman who had the migraines in my early church, migraines on migraines on migraines, went to healing services. We prayed over her. We prayed for her. She did everything she could, was in church every Sunday she could, suffered so, doctors at a loss, went to a guy who said, you know, what you need to do is put these little steel magnetic balls in your ears and then put screens around your bed. I mean, she was doing anything, anything. When you're suffering, you do anything. Solomon's father just died. And his mom was pushing, 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 always to make her son the king. And those verses that we skipped over, well, that was all full of the family conflicts and the killing and all the bloodshed so that Solomon could be king. And now he's king. And now, and now what? He hasn't a clue. Can you imagine any political figure running on the platform of, I don't have a clue? No, they have a plan. And it's only after they're elected where you realize they, they don't have a clue. This week, the administration said, we had no idea that the Taliban would be so successful so quickly. No idea. The governor of Arkansas said just last week, I made a mistake. These are the people we, we root for. These are the people we have this huge engine that's just manufacturing all this win, 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 win. We root for them like they're gods. We love the Lord. But we worship at the high places. Solomon hadn't a clue. He needed some help. A thousand sacrifices. But then the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob said to Solomon, Ask, ask what I should give you. If God asked you that question, ask what I shall give you, what's your answer? Think about it. God just whispers in your ear, Ask what I shall give you. What do you want? Is what you want something just for you? Or is it for something else, someone else? It can be both. It's both. The prayer to heal the cancer is the prayer that says, I want to be healed. 
I want to continue to be the lover. I want to continue to be the mother, the father. I want to continue to be the friend, to give, to give, to give. I have so much more to give. It can be both. The prayer of the father to stop the drinking, for his son to be healed from the addiction. It's for him. So he doesn't have to worry. It's for his son. So he can be well. It's for the person driving on the other side of the double yellow. God said, ask, what shall I give you? For Solomon, it was that he was king and he hadn't a clue. He said, I'm in the midst of a people, a great number of people. They're your people, God, but I'm a king and I don't know what I'm doing. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, able to discern between good and evil. For who can govern this, your great people? The prayer was for him. The prayer was for the people. The prayer was for God. And God granted the request, pleased by the request. And with wisdom came fortune and God, too. So how did Solomon do? He did write some great proverbs. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That's a good one. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. That's a good one. Gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That'll preach. How did Solomon do? He did have spectacular moments of wisdom. You know that story about the women who were bickering over the boy, one saying it was his, her kid, and the other one saying, no, it was her kid. And you, you remember what he did, and if you don't, read your Bible. How did Solomon do? He constructed an, um, an amazing palace and an amazing temple, but only... He had 700 wives. That's about 699 too many. <laughs> and 300 other women he just kept around to do his bidding. Hmm. He put up altars to other gods. He had wealth, but he didn't want to use any of it to build all his building projects. And he just bled the people, bled the people. How did Solomon do? He was supposed to have helped those people, but all that wisdom, well, it went to his head. And he hadn't a clue. And when Solomon died, the country split up just like that in a heartbeat, or rather the lack of one. And it was just one disaster after another. And after one of those disasters, nearly 500 years after Solomon, some people stood in the ruins of Jerusalem, in the ruins of that palace, in the ruins of the temple, and they tried to figure out what went wrong. 
How did a great nation lose its way? And those people wrote down the story of Solomon. They were the ones who wrote that Solomon loved the Lord only, but he worshipped in the high places. They wrote down that he was king, but he hadn't a clue. Don't worship a king. Don't worship a king. Worship God. But the people, you know what they want? They want a king. They want to be like the other nations. Give us a king. They wrote down that God answered Solomon's prayer, gave him wisdom, and to know good and evil. Isn't that as interesting? The wisdom to know good and evil. Those are the words that are tied to that tree that was in the center of the garden. You remember? You weren't supposed to eat from that tree. But the snake said, Oh, go ahead and eat. You will not die. You will become like God, knowing good and evil. About 500 years after that, there was a man who went to a high place to worship God. The man was God, but he didn't equate being God as something to be exploited. But he humbled himself. And he went up to the high place and he prayed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He prayed, take this cup from me. It's what I want. Only, but, not my will, thy will. And maybe that's the only thing we can expect from God. And maybe that's a good thing. The other day, I was getting some physical therapy done on my elbow. I had tennis elbow. I bravely hid the pain of all that from you. <laughs> Unless you ask me. I love sympathy. Anyway, uh, my physical therapy was over at Vanderbilt. And when I go to Vanderbilt, I always park in the children's parking lot when I go visit some of you, I just park in the children's parking lot. I just do it all. That's the way I know where my car is. And I just walk over from there. And I was heading outside on the second-story walkway where you come and you go around the outskirts of the children's hospital and you're overpass. And, and I was checking my phone to figure out exactly where the orthopedist thing, physical therapy thing. And I stopped, and, and then I looked up. 
and, and I, I noticed, I noticed uh, two. <laughs> looking for the word here. Sorry, <laughs> Amish. There are two Amish guys leaning over the bridge with their straw hats and their white shirts, and they were looking down. And I looked to see what they were looking at. I looked over, and there was this woman, an older woman, in a chair with wheels on it, the little wheels, and she was trying to get something that was on the ground, some piece of cloth or something, maybe a mask. I couldn't tell. And she had, I don't know, a knitting needle or a stick or something, some little thing, and she was trying to pick it off the ground, except she was leaning out of the chair. And, you know, you were kind of rooting for her. <laughs> except that there was this woman sitting right next to her, that was just right there. And she was... And I was fascinated and captivated. And after a while, I thought, I'm just going to go down there and pick it up. But then she snagged it. She picked it up, and it was like she won a $100 bill, and she was like, what? And the woman sitting next to her got up, and she started doing this. And it was great. And I looked over, and the Amish guys were like... And I looked down, and the woman who was doing this she threw it down again. And she wheeled over and got out that stick and started over again. And the woman, she sat down and everybody just kind of leaned in. And I was amazed by the wisdom of all of that. It has just interrupted my day. The older woman who had the wisdom to know that a party was just in reach. I don't know if she thought the party was for her or for the woman next to her who just danced. And I thought, that's God. In the midst of all the hurt in the world, that's God. The will to reach, to connect, and I thought about that shimmy dancing woman with the patience of Job who didn't care what anyone else thought but was there just to wait and to watch 
this person in her car, in her care, who just went reaching for a party, and this is God, I thought. The will of God just to wait and wait and wait and wait. The desire to be about the good thing, not my will be done, but thy will be done. And then I thought about all the people just leaning in. In this world of earthquakes and hurricanes and mass and anger, frustrations, COVID, all these people just leaning in, leaning in from the high places, so hungry, so thirsty, to burst out with a smile. to celebrate the struggle of our life. We're all in and in. To celebrate life that God gives us. It's a gift. It's all we could ever ask for.